Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Come on, friends. The first thing I want to um, report is that um, there's a lot of uh, joy in the teaching team. It's a particular kind of joy. It's a mudita joy. Any of you uh, know what is mudita? Yeah. It's a little Pali word here in, in, from an old language of, uh, in which the teachings of the Buddha were recorded. So mudita is um, this particular kind of joy that you feel in the happiness of somebody else or the good fortune of somebody else. So every time we share a meal since we have arrived here, there's a lot of mudita that is expressed because the, the teachers are very happy for you because of uh, all the qigong and the yoga nidra and all the, all the beautiful... Um, ways that we develop the mindfulness in this particular retreat, which is not uh, usually there as much in the other retreats. And so it's really fun to, every meal starts with like, they're so lucky, it's, it's going to bring so much balance. And it's, uh, so, so it's, it's fun. And uh, mudita is, is really good because, you know, I, I, get, to, um, I get to be nourished by, uh, by uh, Deborah and Anne and Julie, who are very, very happy that... Uh, you're getting that form of retreat. So, first thing to, to report here. Um, and maybe just a little teaching around that. Uh, uh, this mudita is one of the four um, um, qualities of a heart that is, um, that is, uh, is freed from a misunderstanding or misconceptions or... or free from the visiting forces of the mind, the difficult emotions of, uh, I want something else, or I don't want this, or uh, I'm not sure, I'm confused, you know? When the heart is free from these um, difficult mind states, it says that naturally uh, it, it, um, it's uh, benevolent, it's kind. That would be kind of a, the basic quality of a free heart. And when um, this free heart meets... Um, good fortune, success, joy for oneself or another, it doesn't really matter. There's this um, spontaneous rejoicing about it, mudita. So kindness, when meeting the beautiful, uh, rejoices. When uh, a free heart meets the difficult, the suffering, the, uh, the stress, naturally it'll um, become compassionate, it'll care. It won't fall into uh, distress, despair, overwhelm, uh, hatred, 
rejection. It will just care about what's happening. So I already named three of the qualities. The fourth one uh, is equanimity. It's the stability of um, heart-mind, you could say. This capacity to be in the middle of joy without getting uh, what uh, losing ground, you know. Ec- ec- there's a word for it, like exuberant, you know, like losing touch with reality. It can feel the joy. You know, the equanimity brings this capacity to feel deeply the joy without disconnecting. And the capacity to stay stable uh, in the middle of the difficult. These are very beautiful qualities of, um, of heart. And that's, I name them because this is what we're developing here as we're doing what we're doing in a very strange way by attending to the body. Uh, to, uh, we're developing stability of mind. And slowly... Uh, through the week, you'll see the heart, chances are, will slowly open and start caring instead of like, I can't be with this knee anymore. It'll be like, ah, knee, intense, so intense, so hard to be a human being. What an embarrassing situation to be in the middle of a body, you know, to have a body. What a strange situation. Suddenly it's not so problematic, it's just caring. Or if there's a moment of quietness, of calm that comes in attending to a breath or to tingling or to spaciousness or to, uh, then they won't be like, this is it, I got it, I, I got to get more of this. You know, they'll be just like, wow, beautiful, beautiful connection with reality, simple. You know? So that's slowly what we're moving towards. This talk tonight, the chances are pretty high it's going to be kind of impressionistic. Like, it's a way to say it's going to go all over the place. (laughs) My mind is, uh, tend to be arborescent. That's also the beautiful way to present (laughs) a crazy mind (laughs) like this one. So I hope it's going to work for you also. I... uh, I've worked with it for years now, and we accept each other (laughs) (laughs) the way we are. And so, just in the spirit of uh, mudita, of joy, I'll tell you a little story that that I like, and um, it's from the sutra, from the the discourses of uh, the Buddha, the old story, 2,600 years ago, more or less. There's, one, uh, there's several characters in these stories that the Buddha meets and hangs out with and discuss with. And so there's one uh, young man that, uh, that I uh, particularly enjoy, um, feel joy for his, for his eagerness. Is, is it um, right, okay to say, like he's an eager beaver? Yeah? <laughs> so maybe I recognize something. <laughs> Was that your thought? I thought I read your thought. <laughs> um, so his name is Rohitasa. And um, at some point he uh, goes to see the Buddha. And he, um, you know, he probably does some prostration or some uh, gesture of, um, you know, uh, to honor the, the, the venerable teacher. And then he, uh, 
he asks a question and he says, um, he says, uh, with all his kind of youth and curiosity, and uh, he says, uh, is it true that, um, and I'm paraphrasing here again, um, is it true that um, um, we cannot, um, can we get to the end of the world by walking? And the Buddha says to him, um, no, it's not, uh, it's not possible to get to the end of the world by uh, walking. It's like, amazing. This is amazing. I just ask you very simply, is it possible to get to the end of the world by walking? And uh, to, to the end of trouble, to the end of, uh, you know, rebirth or stress or name what you want, you know? And, and you answer to me very, very, very simply and directly, immediately, no, it's not possible by walking to reach the end of the world. This is amazing. Because me, at some point, I decided that I would actually reach the end of the world, reach the end of suffering, reach the end of this whole mess that we're in, by walking. And I was, I was very, very fit. And uh, I don't know how he had trained his mind. It almost sounded like he had trained his mind in concentration, in, in psychic powers. And he said, I could actually, with one um, leap, one step, cross the four great oceans. And so I decided to go to the end of the universe and the end of the trouble that we find ourselves stuck in. So he said, I just walked. I walked and walked and walked. And I almost didn't stop. I stopped sometimes, you know, to sleep. That's in the text. To sleep a little bit, to eat, of course, uh, to defecate, to urinate. He, he was doing like a full report of his practice to the Buddha. <laughs> and so he's, he's saying, I'm, I, was, I, I did all this, but I kept going. I ate a little bit to keep the energy up, and I walked and walked and walked. And although I could leave, uh, live for a very, very long time, hundreds of years... And walking nonstop, I never reached the end of the world. It didn't happen. So I'm amazed that you, like when I ask you, you, you make it very clear. It doesn't seem like you had to go that far. You know, you, it's very clear to you it's not possible. I'm amazed. And the Buddha said, yeah, but oh, there's something else I want to add on this. And that's something that Deborah mentioned yesterday. He said, uh, it's not possible by walking to reach the end of the world. But I also say that it's not possible without reaching the end of the world to find uh, freedom. Let me go back to the text. <laughs> Here's a translation. But neither do I say, friend, that without having reached the end of the wor world, there could be an ending of ill, of suffering. That's my point here. It is in this very fathom-long physical frame with, with its perception in mind that I declare lies the world, the arising of the world, the cessation of the world, and the path leading to the cessation of the world. And here you can remove, change the world, the word, world by the word discontent, stress, uh, confusion. Yeah? It's in this very fathom-long physical frame that you'll find 
stress, this, the origin of stress, the end of stress and the way to the end of stress. So in this little exchange here, there's two things that I want to highlight tonight. Uh, one is um, the body. This fat- Do you know Fatim? I, I learned this, yeah? Everybody except me knew Fatim. Fatim is, a, is, a, is, a, is the, the, the length between two arms. And at some point it was agreed that that meant six feet. And often you'll, you'll uh, calculate the depth of water with using this uh, measurement. So he said it's, it's, uh, it's in this frame, you know, like this, that you'll find trouble and the cause of trouble and the end of trouble. And so the body... And when he says it's in this, what he's talking about, the Buddha, is about uh, mindfulness, about investigation, about the attention. So these are two central, maybe, ideas that I would want to talk about tonight, which is really what the retreat is about. It's uh, this main quality that we bring forward of mindfulness or presence is one of the ways, uh, it's a synonym that is used here, attention. Yeah? The attention in the body, and how uh, this can uh, help us find, uh, reduce, or find the end of, uh, of confusion. So, um, maybe I switch to another story. The first uh, teaching that I got when I was in my early 20s was with... Um, actually with a drama teacher that I had for a number of years, and I would see him in workshops for, f- I think, five years, every month, more or less. I would spend five days with him. It was my first spiritual teacher. He was disguised as a drama teacher. <laughs> that was his uh, hiding. Uh. And the phrase that he repeated the most, and I find myself in my teaching repeating the most, it, and I, I, also, I always don't want to, re, you know, it's not an, I don't want to say this again, but I sit here before a Dharma talk, and somehow it's always like this, this comes back to haunt me, I can say. Because it, it's like I sit here before the Dharma talk, what's in my mind is like, what is most. What is most essential? That you want attention to the body is going on as I'm speaking. There's a, there's a surge of emotion. So, so what is most it's essential you want to share, Pascal? And often it's these words that I've heard so many times. And so my teacher would say again and again, Hey, we've never been here now before. This is completely new. How's that? And then he would do some teaching, we would work on a scene. At some point, you would say, hey, we've never been here now before. 
This is completely new. How's that? And, you know, in five days in January, five days in February, five days, again and again, you would always say, and when I heard, and he never talked about mindfulness, but when I heard the definition of mindfulness as an extraordinary attention, not an ordinary, habituated, uh, almost bored attention, superficial, just enough to complete the tasks, just enough presence that I can actually uh, zone out, if that's a word, an expression I could use, and get lost in thoughts and ideas, you know. But this extraordinary attention and how this can completely open one up to a new reality, a new way to perceive reality. I think this is particularly useful here because if you haven't noticed, we're going to come back on that cushion a few times. (laughs) If you come back with an ordinary mind, an ordinary attention, it's going to be painful. It's going to be boring. It's going to be just another sit. You know? But if one is able to recognize, and now, now, I've never been in this body now before. This is a completely new experience right now. Do you see the gap between our ordinary attention and this attention that is uh, called for, invited? Our ordinary attention is like, yeah, I know, I know. I've been here before. Even if that's the first time you come here, already 24 hours enough. I know this hall, you know. I know. <laughs> been here, I know, you know. That won't do. For healing, for opening the heart, for releasing misunderstanding about the world, that won't do. We will need an extra-ordinary attention. It doesn't require amazing efforts, but it requires some kind of an intention. Yeah? And so being in the body is something we could totally miss because I've been in that body me particularly for 42 years, I don't know you, you know. That's kind of an illusion. I have never been in this body now before. This training, because that's what we're talking about, this is a training, a wanting to taste it again, to experience it, to what does that mean to explore this again and again can make... uh, the world become a fascinating thing. I see for me now, like at the end of the sit, when we, uh, we bow, some of us bow to each other. At the end, you don't have to do that, but it's just one place where I see. it's amazing to me that when I'm here, like when there's this experience, it goes really fast. This experience of this 
Pascal, we could say, when we're here, it's gone. But this experience of these hands, when it's here, it's, it's a completely new experience. And here, if you're attentive, it's... To me, it um, brings some kind of preciousness. It's not like... Uh, it's like, wow, amazing, it's always gone. Even when I was uh, moving this earlier from there to here, I was lifting this thing like this and moving it like this. Wow, it's amazing. Reality is always escaping. You know, like you, you touch reality for a second and, and it's, that's its nature. It's escaping. You, it's almost it's not possible to catch up with reality. It's always going. It's a river. The body is, is not this thing we have in mind, that body of mind. You know, it's a, it's a river. The Buddha used the, um, used the image of foam, that's what uh, he talked about, you know, foam by the, the ocean, you know. It's always moving, changing, like this. He says, 2,600 years ago, he said, the body is foam. When everybody would agree that it's solid, he was like, no, there's no solidity in that. If you pay attention, if you have an extraordinary attention, you'll begin to feel how it's river-like, in my, my mind. Even when it appears to not change, like the feeling in your feet right now, and even if there's no feeling, no sensations, but some of us might have tingling or heat or cold or pressure that is known. Even if it's very similar, and that's what we're fooled by a lot of the time, from one moment to the, the next, can be pretty much the same kind of tingling or pressure right now, or on your butt, if you prefer. But it's running away. It's running away. It's passing. When the heart-mind connects with that, it's very strange how it works, this practice. There's a lot of things that are released, a lot of... M- misconception about the world. And to me, it even brings a kind of tenderness. Wow. Everything escaping all the time. Everything new also all the time. Some things are big. Some things are small. Some subtle, some uh, obvious some green, some red, some far, some... Okay, we get it, Pascal. Stop. <laughs> they all have specific things. Especially some are pleasant, some are unpleasant. Some I prefer, some I hate. Yeah? So they have, all have specific things, but they all have in common everything that is smelt, felt, have in common to pass. They pass. How does one get to um, suddenly touch on that universal nature of phenomena that is known in Buddhism to be what will bring the wisdom or the heart release? There's a technique that I like especially 
It's, uh, it's called guarding the senses. So this technique of guarding the senses is that um, one is invited to stay very close to the point of contact um, with any sense door. Let me clarify this a bit. So what happens usually will be if there's a bird singing, the mind will either do bird and get bored and search for something else, or bird, I love these birds, really I wish we could see them. When I was young, there was much more of these birds. <laughs> and then there's like one will get lost in the... So, so when there's a contact with an ear that is healthy and a sound, when there's a contact, there will be an experience there, but usually there's a proliferation that follows, a conception. Oh, that's the bird. There's a mental image of the bird. You know, and then it, or somebody uh, you know, starts moving. Then there's, there's a story that might very well arise. You know? uh, they move again. They've been moving. Why did I sit here? You know, I didn't, if I'd known I'd sit somewhere else. Or they breathe too loudly. Or, you know, or there's the pain in the knee. And it's not just the pain in the knee. Suddenly it's like, if it gets worse, what am I going to do? I actually need to lay down. Uh, you know, I need to talk to the teacher now. Why don't they ring the damn bell? You know? <laughs> anyway, you know that process, yeah? So guarding the senses is we're invited to stay very close to the point of contact. Feel, that's also a training. Feel, feel, just hear, hear, hear. Stay really close to hearing. As if we're in silence and we keep the eyes open, the eyes will move around maybe and, you know, they can be like, well, there's it's a lot of people and yeah, there's some young people and I can go on. Usually I don't stay with the seeing. In this practice that we're invited to do here, it's to stay with seeing. I keep being aware that seeing is happening. Seeing is happening now. Yeah? The seeing happening. Just at the point of... Con- do you follow me when I'm talking about this? That's a bit of the practice we'll uh, be going towards here. Uh, n- let go of stories. Again and again. In the In the... In the instruction that the Buddha gave, one of the instructions he gave, he said, uh, let go of all, con- find a place, find a quiet place. Okay, we got that. Find a quiet place, sit, we got that. Put at the forefront attention, at the forefront, and let go of all concerns for the world. So, his instructions, as I understand it, is to let go of my stuff of the past. Stuff of it'll come back, but the practice is to let go again and again. Drop it, drop it. You know. Um, so when it comes, let go of concerns for the world. Me, moi, my people, my story. What's going to happen to me or my tribe or you know my world? Let go of this and just stay at the point of contact. Feel the pressure on the butt. Feel the heat. Don't go towards, it's too hot, they should open, close, turn on, turn off, this, that. You know? If you can, again, just say, what is, what is heat in an experiential way? What is heat? What is discomfort? What is um, disagreeable? You know? 
what is, I don't know, cool, pleasant, what is pleasantness as it's happening right now? Feel the texture of this. Yeah? So that's staying close to the point of uh, contact, the guarding the sense. It's uh, an image that is used is, um, as if there was a guard at the entrance of a city, at the gate of the, the door of the, of the city. And the, 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 the job of the guard would be just to see people come in and out, not follow this one because he or she's beautiful, or not, you know, like, not lose track of, like, just see people come in and out, be aware so if there's a question asked, like, did you see a group of 20 young people come in? Yes, I did. At 3.30, they passed by, you know, something like that. Yeah. So, um, and in this way, I think it would also help us uh, begin to see how everything passes all the time. One aspect of this mindfulness that I like also, you might connect to, uh, is that um, there's a way where we move away from the personal, you know, let go of concern for the world, let go of concern for self. I don't know if you're you're like this, I'm I'm probably not the only one. There might be another person like me here where um, I feel sometimes I live in a a kind of little... uh, bandwidth, I don't know how it's called, like uh, when there's the news on TV and at the bottom there's a little line, you know. I live a lot in the, these little thoughts here, you know. Like, I'm going to do this, and when uh, after lunch I'm going to take my nap, and when uh, I take my nap I'll come back, it'll be right time for the Qigong, and yeah, I'll take my nap, that's what I'm going to do. You know, and, and it's very repetitive, like the news thing at the bottom and on TV, it just keeps repeating itself. And, and sometimes when I, I have a kind of an insight, like, wow, I live in a very, uh, very narrow life that I live. You know, I dis- describe my life. I describe the story of Pascal, you know, or something of that nature, you know. And, uh, and I, I tend to, s- to tell the world what it is. You know, I describe, I comment, you know. And in the practice of mindfulness, we let the world, the phenomena, reveal itself. You know, we don't tell it what it is. We listen. And slowly, it reveals itself. And in this, that's where I was going earlier, what I like is the universal nature of what's happening. When I let go of my bandwidth thing, I don't know how it it would be called, this thing, is there a name for that? Take, take her? Take her. Okay. So I let that one go. <laughs> Suddenly, maybe, what I'll start doing is meet phenomena as a more universal. It's not so much me, but I'm getting to know hardness. Somebody said hardness. This is public property. It's not so much your hardness. The Buddha in his speech says, um, says something like, um, when, uh, when an ordinary being feels the earth element, 
and he's referring to kind of hardness or tightness maybe. He says he, uh, he recognizes it as earth element or in our language as hardness or tightness. But he says he goes one step further. He takes it as mine, mine, my. And he said the person who's been well trained in this uh, practice will recognize hardness just as such. Hardness is felt. Not like, my question is too hard. You know, like the whole construction. These constructions that uh, create a lot of suffering. Are you guys following me? Am I? Yeah, some, some of us. <laughs> I follow m- most of what I'm talking about. <laughs> But... <laughs> When we attach a big story of mine around things, um, there's, a, there's another image that I love that the Buddha used. He talks about a, a banana tree trunk. And he said, a, a banana tree, it looks kind of, um, it looks like a tree. It looks solid and, you know, it's going to have this huge, you know, beautiful uh, pale green leaves, you know, and and it bears fruits, you know, and it's even the, f- the flowers are amazing, and the fruits, it's a big production, basically. Yeah? And he said, when it bears its fruit, it falls flat on the ground because it's hollow in the middle. So it's, it's, uh, it has the appearance of solidity, but it's hollow in the middle. And he says, our mental constructions are like this. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm like, You know, there's this big construction about like, oh, you know, in my room, I didn't close the window. I should have. If I close the window at 7 a.m., it's going to stay fresh. And, you know, when I take my nap, it's going to be fresh. But now I keep it open and it's 9 o'clock. It's probably the heat is coming in. Do you see the, the, the banana tree, the leaves, the flower, the bananas? And then it's like, God, I messed, I always mess, this is my life, I mess, you know, it's so simple, you close your window before breakfast, but again, you know, it's this big construction, and then suddenly, you know, the teachers say, some teachers say, like, come back to, if you were gone, come back, and, and then it's, it's gone, you know, it's, it falls flat on the ground, you know, this was a construction, yeah, so, although we're putting attention on the body, And on the senses, the five senses this week, anyway, <laughs> I was like, is it a bad news or a good news? Or we'll make discoveries about our minds, you know? It's not just going to be, the mind will be revealed also. They're kind of inseparable, you know? We're stuck in the middle of both, you know? The, the mind activities, the consciousness, and and the body. So a lot of our patterns will be revealed. So maybe some of us will remember this, uh, this banana tree. I, I like the, these images because they, they bring a little humor for me in my practice. They make it less uh, serious, you know, like, oh, I got lost, or oh, it's important, the window is like, oh, banana tree. And when a person on retreat here, they said, oh, I, I do plantation. <laughs> like I... <laughs> 
I have a big plantation of these, you know, that keep coming up, and I have a big production of, of these. So this happens. It's part of the it's part of our our uh, the process of sitting here and getting lost in these. But we can notice that, like, oh, it's a huge production, you know, and then it falls flat, and uh, and we return to the body, to the foam or river-like nature of the body. In the teaching, we say that uh, attention to the body is, um, is like your best friend, or the body is your best friend. It says it's always there, it never lies. If you listen, you'll, you'll see it. it never lies. And uh, there's an image that is used is of a, a bottle, uh, bottle of water, and it says when the bottle is empty, Anything can come in. And in the text, they use the image of Mara, which is kind of like uh, the representation of the difficult emotions. So he says, when the bottle is empty of water, anything can come in and Mara will come in. And the, uh, the bottle empty of, uh, of water is compared to one having no mindfulness of body. And in this teaching, we say, if the, bod- the, water, the, the bottle is full of water, so the, the attention is uh, suffusing the body. If there is full attention to, to bodily experience, whatever it is, the breath, the tightness, the, sometimes there's a feeling of transparency or lightness, whatever it is, or sound. When I talk about body, it's important. I, I'm, I'm thinking about five senses. So it's not just the felt sense although it's very central in our practice, it's also hearing is a bodily experience. Yeah? So when the attention is fully given, there's a, there's a, one has given uh, their attention to physical experience, it says it's like the bottle is full of water, Mara cannot come in. And maybe you're sitting there like, well... Not my experience, <laughs> you know, because I, I do try to be with that breath or these sensations, and doubt comes in, very difficult to feel, you know, and the desire for something else to happen, ha- happen comes in, it's very difficult to live that, the desire for something else, the, the resistance, to what is, resistance to what is there is very difficult to feel. All these come, you know, why? It's because the attention is not yet refined, that's what we're... Wo- we're, this is a work in progress here, where uh, our attention is uh, intermittent, maybe, or fluctuating, or, but slowly, as we put attention again and again and again, it will stabilize. And then we'll have this experience of sustained uh, attention to one event, or maybe several events as they are phenomena experiences, but there'll be a kind of dedication, not something we can will right now, not something we can impose, you know, but something we can tend towards. And when this happens, we'll have this, this experience, and maybe some of us have had that already, of like, just this breath, almost a sense of contentment, plenty of reality right now. You know? Even sometimes when it's not so agreeable, but the mind is put and attentive, curious, 
in a sustained way, you know, we aim the attention and we can keep it there for a while, then it's like, oh, you know, this particular unpleasant sensation in the lower back is just like this. It's just like that, you know. And there's not a need for it to go away. Or or if there is not much happening, it's quite neutral. There's just tingling in the hands. And our attention has refined enough. Then that'll be plenty of reality. And so in this way, we'll get secluded from the difficult mind state. The principle or proximate cause for attention, presence... Mindfulness. Do you know, you guys, what is the, the main cause of attention? That's a very important information this week. <laughs> the main cause of attention is a prior moment of attention. So every time I'm attentive, it's, n- it's not uh, benign. It's meaningful. I'm not just present now, I'm fostering presence. I'm training attention. This is very important. So it's a cause for celebration when I'm there, you know. One time my bottle was really very empty. I was sitting on a retreat and I was sitting there where you are. I tell this story uh, often, but it's fun, kind of fun. So I was, I was sitting where you are and uh, my legs were folded like this and, and um, it, it, um, I was, the teacher was teaching and I'd been very generous and I'd been teaching for a while, uh, offering, uh, uh, you know, teaching several minutes and uh, at some point, my ear, it started to sound like it was uh, loud. And I was sitting there and thinking, um, you know, it's getting too loud. I have to get out of here. I really, uh, this has to stop. They've been talking way too long, way, way, way too long. They should never talk that long. And I actually didn't even know how long it was, but I had an opinion. I was in, I was in my banana tree, way up, <laughs> way up in there, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was like, this has to finish. This is going to turn bad, you know, I'm going to hurt my uh, ear thing and it's going to get, you know, scratched and, you know, I'm going to pay for that and I, 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 I have to get out of here and they're not stopping, they're unstoppable, they will never stop. <laughs> Let me get out of here. So I stood up to leave, but because my bottle was empty, you know, no attention to the body, just uh, caught in my banana tree and my, my um, opinions about things and, uh, you know, and I, so I didn't realize that my legs had fallen asleep. <laughs> and so what happened is I, uh, I, I, want, I stood up and I, I fell flat on my face right, right there, you know, like, I, like this. And there was a little stage right there. And I remember like hitting my, my, uh, my uh, chin on the first step there. And it made this big bang in the middle of the Dharma talk. <laughs> bang! And, and uh, the teacher went very generous, went like, oh, what's going on? Are you all right? And, and I, was, I, st- I said, it's too loud! It's too loud! 
it's too loud. And the teacher very generously said, um, oh, is it too loud? And everybody went like this. And by that time, not only was I like trying to save my ears, and I, I also I had another hindrance or another difficult uh, visit from Mara. Is I wanted to disappear. I wanted to not. I had a strong desire to not exist in that moment. And I was crawling. I, actually, the door was there. So I was crawling out of the the hall, you know, on my fours, trying to disappear. And she was like, "Don't go! Don't go!" And at some point, I was able to stand up and, and walk out. And uh, so, that was just to kind of sell the point on the, the importance in one in one's life of uh, mindfulness and being attentive to a body, uh, and 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 you know, not be caught in the banana tree, but be aware that there's the production of bananas happening. You know, that there's a a whole story uh, getting told and. Uh, says that um, um, this being present, being fully... Con- in French, we say um, mindfulness. It's pretty similar. It's uh, pleine conscience. Like full consciousness. I'm fully conscious of what's happening. What's happening in the body. What's, uh, what's happening in the mind. What's, what's happening. So mind full of presence uh, on what's happening. It says it's the best strategy to meet life. It says that those who have awakened, clarified all misunderstanding about what leads to what, and you know the fact that uh, anyway, I won't get into that. But <laughs> and it's a door for me. There's a whole other hour there. So when uh, one has freed the heart, uh, you know, have access to these four qualities that I was talking about earlier: the qualities of mudita, rejoicing, and compassion. It's not hindered by any uh, other difficult emotions. When, even when the job is done in a way, it says that being mindful is still the best um, ab- abiding way to abide, way to be. So people, it's not just like if uh, being present, being attentive was a way to free the mind and after we could... It's an expression of a free mind also. I find this very beautiful and inspiring. And so, uh, so these are a few words on the attention, presence. Oh, about uh, maybe just uh, this little poem that I like about this uh, uh, extraordinary attention. It's by Paul Reps, and it's called Grass Blade Experiencing. This is the law. No sames. No same leaves, pebbles, persons, places, times, faces, grasses. Whoever disobeys the law gets bored. In the gratitude hut, um, 
down there, I don't know if you guys are aware, there's a beautiful hut with pictures of uh, our revered teachers there. There's one picture of um, Ajahn Moon, and underneath there's a quote that is very beautiful. Uh, and here is uh, the quote. In your investigation of the world, in your meditation, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature of the body. See the elements that comprises it. The heat, the cold, the tightness, the flowing, the tingling, the stabbing, hardening, etc. The lightness, the heaviness. So see the elements that comprise it. Comprise it. See the impermanence, the river-like nature of hearing, of seeing. Even when you, um, if you look at the bell, you might be fooled by thinking that it's not going anywhere. It's actually not. The bell is not. But if we put attention at the point of contact, guarding the senses I was talking earlier, just being aware of seeing, you'll see that seeing is a river. The seeing of the bell has to happen again and again and again, if we want to see it. So that's the teachings, that's where we're aiming here, to become aware of what is the experience of a human being. Maybe the bell doesn't go anywhere, it's not important from the point of view of the exper- experiment, from the point of view of the human experience. That's where suffering happens. Not in the fact that the bell goes or don't go, but in the side of the human experience, everything is going all the time, leaving. When you're a human being, that's the nature of all your senses. That it's always flowing away, going away. Yeah? So anyway... He says, examine the nature of the body, see the elements that comprise it, see the impermanence, the uh, suffering, the selflessness of the body while sitting, standing, walking or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind-heart can shine forth timeless and delivered. So maybe the last point I would want to make without any pressure, I hope. Just an invitation because, um, because in working with mindfulness, kind of the secret bit there is continuity. And here Ajahn Moon says, uh, while sitting, standing, walking or lying down, And so the invitation during the week here is to see if it's possible slowly, as much as possible, to stay present. Not uh, just when we do sitting or uh, qigong or the formal walking, but as we are eating, see taste disappear. See hardness of chips or... Is it? Yeah. Become softness. 
see how everything is going all the time. See how the experience of you coming out of the hall is completely gone when there's a you arriving at the dining hall. The experience of you here now or you at the beginning of this talk, completely gone. Yeah? So, it's just a little word on continuity. Okay, thank you for um, listening to these um, advice from the old uh, monkey. <laughs> I hope in there there's something uh, that will enrich your practice or support it in some way. So let's uh, just sit in silence for a moment and let the words dissolve. There is one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced leads to deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here now and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It's mindfulness centered on the body. That's from the Buddha. And don't use this I sh- to become like a, I should be mindful, I'm a bad, not mindful person. It's, it's not to produce more self-hatred. It's, it's uh, something towards what to tend, something to, uh, to offer oneself, to give oneself to. Five minutes uh, for walking practice, and then we'll come back here and we'll sit for uh, 20. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org/slash/donate.